listening to the ESBC uh, podcast network, where the purpose of the podcast is to be very clear and candid. We might not be right, but it is exactly the way uh, we feel. And I was reminded uh, after I did my Motivational Monday saying that the worst thing you could ever do in life is seek another man's approval. And somebody wrote back to me, what is a man? What does he got? If not himself, that he has not to say the words he truly feels and not the ones of those who kneel, right? Uh, not to get I did it my way. <laughs> the record shows I took the blows we did it my way. So that, that's really the goal of the podcast. Number one goal. You always have to have a purpose and an outcome. So the purpose is to provide clarity to people, to provide an example of successful people who've got money, who live in uh, very expensive Southern California. Mm -hmm. However, since we own our own businesses, we're our own men, we can say and get as close to our perception of the truth as we can. However, we're old, so we disagree, and sometimes we understand that we are wrong, and other people are right, so we always invite opinion, like the comments, and um, the gentleman, seems he's an attorney, who made the comments last time, wrote again, I haven't had time to look at it, we're going to look at it and then put back, we were suspecting it was Bob Baffert, right? <laughs> right. The way, the way he, he brilliantly, or maybe Bob Baffert's lawyer, brilliantly positioned Bob Baffert's uh, position right yeah so it's purpose and an outcome two other purposes right uh mental health first aid kit right laughing is great for your mental health you don't know what's going on with people we got in a, in a mental health crisis and also financial mental health kit uh, that degree back there is a master's degree in business mba have a master's degree in science and never too far away from me is and we're gonna have uh, luciano uh, Coach Mike's son, and we're going to talk about uh, sports betting, right? Sports betting in the FINRA book. So if, because I'm not uh, Epstein, who can be a pedophile and run a hedge fund, <laughs> I have to be honest, and I have to be a fiduciary, which a fiduciary means that if I lose people money, anybody in any context, they can raid my office and cuff me up and put me in jail or raid me. Now, if I ran a hedge fund, right, if I ran a hedge fund like uh, Epstein did, I would have no problem. <laughs> yes. Those are the laws that we abide with and then we're functioning. So those are the purposes. What has been the outcome? The outcome has been uh, the first two years of the podcast, we're at 65% against the spread NFL. We're about 69% college uh, college basketball, we are in, we got 70% Pac-12 basketball, and we were in the mid-60s for the NCAA tournament. All that means is 500% ROI, which in layman's term, in common sense terms, you don't need a specialized degree, is five times more money than you had if you took our bets. Now, as luck would have it, uh, we gave you 
12 to 1 winner, right? The Kentucky Derby, Medina Spirit, based on conspiracy theories, right? Based on that we felt that Bob Baffert had spiked the horse and the horse was going to win. So what happened? <laughs> the horse was spiked by Bob Baffert and the horse won. You get to keep your money, but Bob Baffert is suspended and Medina uh, Spirit is banned from any other races yeah. because of the horse being spiked. And we broke down the drug that it had. The reason it's a spike is because it's an anti-inflammatory to make the horse run harder than it normally would, right? We all have a filter that stops things. The drug they gave him that, unfortunately, it wasn't in the hay that he ate or whatever he tried to say, uh, at the level of an injection, uh, the horse worked harder without having that filter in their head stop. You know, my muscles are sore, I'm gonna stop. The horse kept going. Who cares? We catch the ticket, walk to one, whatever, right? And it's always better to be lucky than good. And then I changed my mind in the last minute and I took a picture of the ticket, put it on my Twitter. That's why the Twitter handle I have at Josue Visque is currency. Uh, I remember Coach Mike Persinisi will introduce him in a second. We were in a business networking group, and somehow it came out that people are currency. So my Twitter feed is currency. But not only do we give you fish, we teach you how to fish. So this is horse racing, true crime, right? And then I'll go back to the last podcast, and we'll get to this podcast. But first, right, one of the outcomes, besides you making a lot of money, and this is all free, right? You always get 12X, 10 times more than you give. So if you're the toughest, smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. So I got two people here who are smarter and tougher than I am to bestow on us their wisdom as we continue to learn about life. That's another purpose, to learn about life, learn about people. Learn. Not, I saw it, what Stan told me 30 years ago when I was uh, paying for college, dispatching trucks at AAA 30 years ago, old man Stan told me it's the measure of the man. You gotta learn how to measure men, right? And measure women. Uh, and by doing so, you're aware of your surviving surroundings, which is what? A survival skill. That's mm -hmm. why the podcast keeps growing. We love, you know, knock on wood, the feedback we've gotten. And we keep moving forward. So we got last name, I always get it wrong. First name, I always get it right. Rick. Close through her. who wrote a couple of great books that uh, we have links on the website you can read. Uh, and give him money, send him money, right? If you read the book. <laughs> hey, Rick, how are you feeling tonight? And what, what are your first thoughts? About what? About anything before we get into uh, the Belmont. It's dark. <laughs> it wasn't dark before. Yeah. It's going to be the biggest. It's going to be probably. I think they might get as many people at Belmont unless they're the restriction as they had at Indy last week. Mm. Wow. Yeah, unless there's a less of a restriction. Right. Yeah. Everything's turned around. Everything we we thought about the pandemic and COVID nineteen this year is the opposite. <laughs> no, just that we're doing the right thing and getting. Treating it with science. Right. I mean, nobody complains in, when 
when Mike and I were in elementary school, when we had to go get the polio vaccine, right. nobody ever complained when they had to get a vaccine for smallpox. Nope. And, they, and the guy who, I can't believe the people are getting upset with Tony Fauci, who is, without Tony Fauci, AIDS would still be with us as a terrible thing, a scourge, and people would be, it would be a death sentence rather than something, a disease just like lots of other diseases. And if he said, if he's talking about immunology, I kind of listened to him because, oh yeah, he's the best who ever was. Well, what I like about Tony Fauci, it reminds me of that same job at AAA. Actually, it was a different, it was a job at this place where uh, I was working credit granny and there was this lady named Kate and Kate was independently wealthy and she didn't have to work. But the way she got wealthy was she married four rich guys in a row and just took him to the cleaners uh, in divorce court. And she was there and man, this was good money, right? This is 1993 and I was making $70,000 a year. And my job was to massage Kate's shoulders and take her and her girlfriend, which it was a different style of girlfriend in 1993. It wasn't a lesbian relationship. It was, uh, the girlfriend that used to go out to the clubs in the Tampa Bay area and uh, have men fall into their traps. So my job was to massage her shoulders during work, uh, do different errands, take her close to the cleaners. And I was supposed to do credit granting, which I did half the time. Uh, the story was that for the guy on top of my position, she hired this guy named Eric. And uh, we were all upset. And I was a senior, I was gonna get my degree, finish getting my degree. And we had a guy named Lionel, black guy, the smartest guy I've ever met in my life. And he worked there, but he was also a drug dealer. But, you know, you know when to get out. He bought his house, he invested in Microsoft, he did all these things, he had a bunch of money. And so now he was just managing guys that wanted to be drug kingpins like him. So they hired this guy, Eric, and like, why did they hire Eric? Eric, uh, Lionel, black guy, had a college degree. So I'm like, I don't know. You and I have better stats, you know, than anybody in here. They hired this guy, Eric, from the outside. Very good looking white guy, tall. He looks like Ken from Ken and Barbie. So I was like, let's talk to Kate, right? And I'm like, wait, wait till Kate has me take uh, her lunch order and I take her close to the cleaners. So on the way back, let's meet in her office, right? Provide value first before you get the ass. So we go to Kay's office and we go, hey, um, you know, Lionel is sharp. He, you know, he has really the whole town wired, but he has this whole thing wired. Because what happened was that you would go to a car dealer and if there was 500 cars, you would go and you would count 499. Right, and you got a thousand dollars, and of course the uh, fit five hundredth car, right, was like a Porsche, something for two three hundred dollars, two hundred thousand dollars that the dealership used to sell on the backside. <laughs> this was the job, right? So, and it, and it paid well, and you got cash for every dealership you went to. You came back with at least uh, one or two thousand dollars in nineteen ninety three money my friends. So, so we go to Kate's office. And this is what Dr. Fauci reminds me of. 
And Kate goes, well, Eric has a college degree. We're like, no, Eric doesn't have a college degree. Dr. Fauci does not have an official role with the government. He runs a nonprofit, uh, you know, epistemology uh, institute. And he does know a lot. He's well-spoken. He's almost like the guy in the movie, The Office. It has an office, but he doesn't get paid or anything. So he gets paid by the nonprofit, but he knows a lot about it. And like uh, Rick said, he he helped with the AIDS epidemic. And he's a great communicator, right? You have to be a great communicator to not be part of the government, but to be in every single press conference with Trump, right? <laughs> to, to be in every press conference with Biden. And this guy doesn't even have an official role. And hey, he's better than the horse racing board because he's not getting any of our taxpayers' money. <laughs> he gets paid through his nonprofit. He doesn't even need any money anymore. He's in his late 80s. He just turned 80. He just turned eighty. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I love his communication. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. His his company is a is a subdivision of the National Institutes of Health. Right. So he does work for the government. Well, no, not, the National Institute of Health isn't an agency. It's an right? agency it's, of the federal government. It's fund, funded by the federal government. Well, we're going to handle that because uh, <laughs> when they said fire Fauci, fire Fauci, Trump couldn't fire Fauci. Because Fossey wasn't part of the certain, federal government. No, there are certain parts of the federal government you can't fire the president. Nobody can fire. You have to go through an inspector general's report. Right. We'll, we'll look this up while we're talking to Mike Prisanisi. We have also Mike Prisanisi from ADA Compliance and from Accurate Business Coaching. Uh, we've known each other 12 years. Yeah. Time flies 2009 to 2021. Been married a hundred years, has three successful kids, <laughs> successful businesses. Thank you for joining us, Mike Christianisi. And let us know what do you think about everything, especially uh, the horse racing board in our last podcast. Well, one point of clarification for Rick's edification I've been married 40 years to the same woman, not a hundred. <laughs> well, uh, you might like this one. Um, Eric Idle and John Cleese from Monty Python were on uh, Conan's show one day. And Conan, of course, spent 20 years on the road as a stand-up comic. And yeah. he, looked at jo- he looked at John Cleese, he goes, John, besides being a stand-up comic, you made these movies, you were always out and run, but you've been married for 35 years. How did you do that? And then Eric Idle said, well, it did take him five women. <laughs> yeah, it did take him five women. Yeah. It took me one. Exactly, exactly. You're doing better. Yeah. So, and I love the banter. I, I do love the energy. And I hope our viewers and our listeners kind of get one thing that we're doing here, Josh and Rick. We're having fun. It's not against the law to have fun, okay? I watch some of these programs on TV or listen to the radio. I'm thinking to myself, either these people need a physic or they need to go for a walk. Something's wrong because they just seem bound up. They don't seem to have any sense of humor. And, you know, one of the a guy asked me a question the other day. He said, well, Mike, what's your, what's your real secret to a happy marriage? I said, A, honey, I'm sorry. Uh, B, please forgive me. I'll try not to do that again. And C, what did you say? <laughs> listening. Listening. It's a skill and you have to learn it. And I, I hope that as we have this banter and we share information and we share knowledge, people pick up on that you can do this. Like what we're doing is we're handing over to our viewers and our listeners, hey, you can do this too. You can build relationships. You can talk to folks. You can 
stick out your hand. What's the best way to meet people? Hi, I'm Mike. What's your name? Oh, I'm Josh. Hi, Josh. <clears throat> and another thing I want our listeners and viewers to take away from is know your story. You know, what's your story? Do you have a story? And a lot of people, Josh, Rick, they'll say, well, I, I really don't have one. Of course you do. Of course you do. You've got a story. You had a mom and dad. You were born and raised in a certain place. You grew up. You got a story. Everybody wants to know our story. And they try to connect. We try to connect as human beings with our stories, what we have in common. Sometimes we have a lot more in common than we realize. So right. it's the launching pad. One thing, like when you bring up the relationship, I'm going to tell everybody about the relationship and the best $10 you'll ever spend in your relationship. Get online, go Google For Rosanna. It's a movie from the late 1990s starring Mercedes Rule and um, John Renault and Polly Walker. Now, Mercedes Rule, you know, John Renault, of course, was the assassin with uh, Natalie Portman. And Polly Walker was the beautiful terrorist in Patriot Games. Now, you buy that, you spend that $10, you put that in your desk. And when you get in trouble with your significant other, you bring it out. It's worked for people from 25 to 75 from getting in trouble for working too much, not be, or made, or especially it's been worked well when they don't know why they're in trouble. Mm -hmm. It's worked 100% of the time. The, the only downside is of the probably 50 people who've tried it, Five people had to take their wives to Italy to the little village where the movie's set. Yeah. They fell in love with the town and the people. Yeah. But every time it got them out of trouble. How about that? That's a good, good advice. Yeah, so uh, the National Institute of Health, whatever, they're hired, right? They hired uh, the nonprofit that Fossi. Uh, works for so they're like the irs right where mm -hmm. there, there's been a lot of dispute legally <laughs> of what can happen but the the irs has peanut power and the irs can put you in jail they can freeze your assets so the government can give the agency whatever power so if you wanted to fire fossey you would have to defund right you would have to defund uh, his nonprofit, which is the primary institute for doing research. Yeah. Have to have an inspector general's investigation before he can even do that. <laughs> I mean, the reality is you have to actually prove he's doing something wrong. You can't just fire him because he won't tell to what well, No, you can't fire him. What you can do is defund him. You can have Congress, you can ask Congress to defund Fossey or Fauci. So, um, it, it depends who's in power, right? So, if the Republicans were in power, they could defund them, right? If McCarthy was in power, they could defund them. Pelosi's not going to do that, not going to defund it. But then, who's going to take up the research? Who's going to back them up? What do you do with all this research? Does he own it? And does the Chinese start funding? You know, so this not easy. <laughs> not an easy solution. Who's riding him? And which race is he in? Huh? I said, who's riding him? Which race is he in? <laughs> we'll get to that. So we're going to get to the Belmont Stakes. Now, yeah. uh, what we've been following, put it together, right? So before we get into horse racing, true crime, we want to go into every single element of the horse racing industry and 
kind of profile it, right? One part of it is the horse racing boards and local politicians. We had the number one gay Republican in uh, DeMaio, right? He says that well, do the motivational stuff whenever he's been in trouble in life, what main motivation for him in life is money. And what's gotten him out of every pinch he's ever gotten into has been money, right? That's what he said. We also had Jim Desmond, right? Pilot making 400 grand a year. He's making 300 grand a year at the San Diego board of commissions, but he had a lot of good plans. But we got into the insight of who these people are and who are on these boards. We profiled Jorge Navarro and Jason Service. Okay. What happened? Yeah, we went through that. She was the chairman of the California Horse Racing Board. Yeah, we got to get her on. We got to get her on. Uh, from yeah. there, from Jason Service uh, to George Navarro. George Navarro started talking about owners and FBI got some uh, information, got some recordings of George Navarro with owners. They're like, so who's the main owner? So we did the Stronish family, and that opened up a can of worms, right? Belinda Stronage, the family battled with her dad, and then the connections that the family has, right? To George Soros, to the Clinton Foundation, to they own Santa Anita's, they own Los Alamitos, Durango, Cal, Florida. The Clinton Foundation was responsible for the bubonic plague and yellow fever. Well, we don't, we're not, we're not concerned with that because it's horse racing true crime. What we're concerned with would be the Clinton body count, right? Seth Rich. Every, if you read the Mueller report, every single person that had knowledge of Hillary Clinton's emails ended up dead, right? From Seth Rich to the, to the family in Chicago to uh, the third guy, right? That's in the Mueller report. You can um, you, you can dispute the Mueller report. Well, that's another they, podcast. They murdered or did they die of a disease? I don't know. They they're just dead. I just know that they knew about Clinton's email and they're now deceased. <laughs> I don't know anything else. Well, I'm not making any value judgments or anything else. I guess that Abraham Lincoln's dead. So I guess Clinton killed them too. Well, Seth Rich is dead, right? He had knowledge of the email, and then the brothers in Chicago are dead. That cost um, Fox News like five, like fifty million dollars when they got sued about that because it's, it's a, and that's just flat out and out, not lie. Well, the Mueller report. You're saying that the Mueller report is an no, outright lie. The story about Seth Rich being murdered is an out and out lie. It's evil. Right, but the, was he in possession of Clinton's email? You deserve. You, deserve, you have. Destroyed a family, a totally innocent family. There is zero. Oh no, and the family had nothing evidence. to do with it. There's zero evidence that that Clinton had anything to do with Seth Rich. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that did he have possession of Clinton's emails? Yes no. or no? Nobody. They don't know where it is. Well, I'll, I'll read the. We'll go through the Mueller report and evidence that he had possession of it. There's, there's, FBI agents, Mueller report. Everybody says he had possession of it. Number two, is he alive or dead? He went, I, you're going to lose me very quickly on, on Seth. <laughs> but that, the that, guy's that's, evil. that's purely evil to attack an innocent man who was murdered by some, by not by the people you say. That's All right. What about, what about the other two people in the Mueller report? Who are you talking about? The father and dad in Chicago in the Mueller report. I have no idea who you're talking about. All right. We'll go through the Mueller report. We'll go through those guys, what they had in their possession, and... Okay. Whether they're dead or alive, and then the other the other person besides Seth Rich. 
But you're looking at Vince Foster. You're looking at Ron Brown. So the, oh my God. I mean, that's just beyond comprehension. Right. That's, uh, that's just Tim for that hot stuff. Well, all I know is, right? This, this is the evidence, right? You can have you can have your own opinion, right? But you can't have your own facts. The facts are, the facts are that Belinda Stronich donated campaign contributions to the Clinton campaign, and she also put money in the Clinton Foundation. She also donated money and has associations with George Soros. She was also an MP, right, in the British Parliament. You, you do realize that George Soros, you do realize that George Soros was 11 years old when World War II ended. Yeah, yeah, but that's not my point. My point is that Belinda Stronich gave George Soros money. And, and it's and it's a fact and nobody's disputing it. Okay. That's all we're saying. She also gave the Clinton Foundation money. Whatever you want to think about Bill Clinton or whatever, it's clear and it's factual that she gave money to the Clinton Foundation. The, the, the ultimate the, the cider on on charities, okay, like the Clinton Foundation, like the like Red, the Red Cross and everybody is a group called the Charity Navigator. Right. They are totally apolitical. There's people on the board of directions for both sides who are respected by both sides. People like John Danforth used to be working with them, the Republican senator from Missouri. Mm -hmm. um, and and, and there's all sorts of people in that book. According to them, the, the, I, I want to know what you think about why you're so opposed to the Clinton Foundation, which gave away, they, 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 they tracked every single penny donated to them by independent sources and in multiple countries. There is no problem with the Clinton Foundation. We're not saying there is. All, all we're saying is that Belinda Stronich gave money. This is the people she hangs out yeah. with. This is how much money she has. I gave money to the Clinton Foundation. I gave money to March of Dimes. Is uh, somebody going to come kill me? I don't. Well, you're not involved in the business uh, the Stronages are in, right? So the Stronages own six farms in the United States, one in Ocala, Florida, yeah, right. right, with the Big Boys Farm. The Big Boys Farm is owned by who? The Gambino family mm -hmm. of John Gotti, right? They also own Los Alaminos and they own Santa mm -hmm. Anita. Then we started with, we connected it to Ben and Honey Sherman, who have a pharmaceutical conglomerate and horse pharmacies in where? Ocala, Florida, <laughs> right next to the Gambino family farms, the Bad Boys Farm, Ocala, Florida, who's run horses all over the country. So we're doing our own self-reporting because it's horse racing true crime. But looking at it from a macro picture, we're putting the pieces in play so people can have their own. We can argue about it and we can have fun. And for the most part, we'll get closer to the truth, right? Then uh, we've picked the first two winners of the Triple Crown, and now we're going into the Belmont Stakes. So what are your initial thoughts here on the Belmont Stakes, Rick? I can't, I'm, right now, I am liking Hot Rod Charlie and Rock Your World. And the reason being, as we discussed off camera, was that um, Flavian Pratt won the Preakness on Rombauer. 
he rides for both Mike McCarthy and Doug O'Neill. So he and he's such he's big enough at this point in his career that he gets to choose. Right. And he chose to run Hot Rod Charlie. Right. Hot Rod Charlie, Charlie. So um, uh, Flavian Pratt, who right now is probably one of the top ten riders in the in the world, in the United States, not in the world, but in the United States. Yeah. He he know and he's and he's riding both. He's been on the back of both of them. And he doesn't, if, since he chose them, I like him better than Lambert and Rock Your World. Just got off to an atrocious, just had an atrocious start on um, the Derby. And the race was over 50 yards into the race. Yeah. And it's just one of those things. And, this, and if, if they thought it was Rosario's fault, he wouldn't be riding him again. Of course, Rosario is also one of the top. I mean, John, of course, Johnny V, uh, who's riding Lombard, is a legend of all times. I mean, He's he's won more money on horses than anybody in North America. He hasn't won more races, but he's won more money. Right. So let me make a point for our listening and viewing audience. That's a great point you make, Rick. So the winner of the Preakness race on Rumbar, which was Flavian Pratt, thinks that Hot Rod Charlie is actually a better pick and a better horse to run in the Belmont. Yes. And why are we going to argue with? <laughs> and, and, and but the thing is. On, on Saturday, maybe Hot Rod Charlie sees a mouse in his stall. Right. And is afraid to get out onto the track. Right. In theory, yeah. We're, that, that's why they call it gambling. That's why they call it gambling. That's right. That's right. Now, the one thing about, about Saturday, first of all, it's going to be very hot. So something, a lot of times people will talk about horses when they get out of track if they look sweaty. When it's 90 degrees with 70% humidity, I'm guessing some of the some of the horses that are dead and buried in the park at Belmont will be sweating. Right. So don't don't get too don't get too keyed up. Also, the, Saturday is other than the Breeders' Cup Day, um, probably has more Grade One races on the rest of the on the rest of the card than any day any track anywhere in the country. Hmm. They have um, the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th races are all grade one. Wow. And, and, they, and they're talking about everything from six furlongs on the, on the turf to a mile and a half in the Belmont on the dirt. So you got a little bit of everything, but you got a lot of the best horses in the world. And of course, of all the hunch bets, there's an, there is a hunch bet in New York. Um, I, let me see which race is I think he's in the just... Let's see which race he's in. Sorry about that. Um, he is in the Metropolitan Mile. Now, he's also the morning line favorite, but if you're ever going to have a hunch bet in New York, a horse named Nick's Go. It's spelled Nick's like the New York Nick's. Right. It is a hunch bet. He's the best horse in the race. He's going to be very low. He's going to drop down even lower because of his name. Hmm. Thanks, Gordon. That's what. What race is that one? That's. I think that. Let me look back. I just. It's. It's the ninth, the Metropolitan Mile. Got it. And that should. I mean, they have. A, there's a lot of good horses in that. They're getting a lot of small fields, but a lot of good horses, which is you know. There's also something that some people believe in. I'm not. I do. I do sometimes. Is that small fields, big prices. Right. 
So notice if you have a six horse field, maybe there's a horse at 12 to one. Take a shot. Yeah. yeah, we've won two 12 to ones in a row, Medina Spirit and Rumbar, right no. at the last. That's why the Twitter feed is uh, important because I put it on Twitter before. We'll put all the picks, all the sports bets before. And I'm heating up with the NBA playoffs here. So I would look at my Twitter feed, get those NBA playoff picks. Uh, but I put that one late. Uh, Rumbrauer is back in this one. It's at the second position. Second favorite. Three to one. Now, Hot Ride Charlie, as Rick mentioned in the, in the in uh, Belmont, it's won $1.3 million. Essential quality, which 24 horses have won from the first hole, right? And that's uh, Bourbonic, but essential quality is in the second hole. Right, so it's the second from the pole position. Uh, it's at two to one, and Hot Rod Charlie's at seven to two. And I love uh, when regular horse, I love the second favorite, right? Because in normal horse racing, the favorite wins around 20% of the time. I think the percentage is a lot higher in the Belmont. Well, no, the um, uh, typically between depending on the track, between 28 and 34% is for favorites win. Right. And money about 60%. Right. So, yeah. So, about 60, between 60 to 70% of the time, the non favorite wins the race. Right. But you always want to not put all your uh, eggs in one basket, right? Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, you have to remember that a lot, a lot of times, favorites are guys who go going to the track just for the heck of it. And there's a, like a, they'll think that there's people who are betting know something. Right. Which also affects the prices. Right. And the first, a, a very good rule at the track is don't, don't, the only reason you worry about odds is if you're trying to pick between. The guy, the, the favorite doesn't mean that they, they know more than you. No. And, um, you know, so it's one of those things that you just... It's situational yeah. awareness. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, the odds are. The thing is also in the eight, in the eight with eight horses in the race, it's pretty hard to get a bad trip. And mm -hmm. here's something that's going, like I told Josh earlier is, is a little bit to that point. Here. To that point about the trip, though, Todd Fletcher has three horses in the race. Uh, he has. But you uh, can two of them. Yeah, so yeah. I would think with three horses in a race, one's going to set a pick for the other one. Right. He's got so, no agenda and he's got uh, Hot Rod Charlie. He's got Verbonic, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, the reality is... And, and Rumbar is run by um, his uh, mentee, the guy mentor, who was crying, saying how much he loved Todd Fletcher at the end of the last race that he won, the Preakness. So if he can do his buddy a friend, I imagine he would do it. So in a way, Todd Fletcher has four horses in an... <coughs> In an eight-horse field. So I would put, right? Now, Coach Mike, Coach Mike is a novice like I would, but let me ask you this, right? There's common sense, right, which is knowledge that you don't need a specialized degree. So if Todd Fletcher has four horses in the field out of eight, is it safe to say that one of Todd Fletcher's horses will finish in the top three? Yeah, but you also have to remember we have an eight-horse field. Yeah. Okay, the way it works is you lose you if you typically just bet the win, you'll lose maybe fifteen to seventeen percent. If you bet just the place, 
you're going to lose 20 to 25 percent. You bet just to show you're going to lose 30 percent because, in an, especially in an eight horse field, because there isn't that much money to be chopped up. Right. And, yeah. so, and to, uh, another thing that freaks a lot of people out is they'll bet a hundred to one shot to show. Right. Show, yeah. And they're really un- they're so shocked that when their hundred one to shot loses to an eight to five shot and a six to five shot that he they only pay two eighty to show. Right. Because you have to chop the pot up. Now, right. now I was going to say about um, the one pleasure horse overtook. About the only thing to overtook to block maybe the beer guy. <laughs> I think if we if we put if we put a saddle on you, Josh, I take you over overtook. <laughs> Yeah, but he's $131,000. Be, so no, there's also something I was about to say, which is counterintuitive, but it's real, right. is that and the, the Belmont is the longest race these horses will ever race in North America. A mile and a half over dirt is just not done. And you would think that, the, that a horse to, in a mile and a half race would be, would be favored for coming from behind. But the reality is, it's usually horses very close to the leader on the lead, because mm-hmm. um, it, it takes more. Because if they, the only way the front running horses usually lose, are, like when Smarty Jones is going for the Triple Crown, the um, the jockey and the trainer were really mad at not at losing the Derby, so they went nuts out of the gate. They, they ran the first three, the first six furlongs of a, which is three quarters of a mile of a mile and a half race, at a time that you'd run, usually run a sprint race. Mm. And Smarty Jones was still so good, he only lost by two lengths, even though somebody went after him to try to make him lose. Mm. That's, right. th- those kind of things um, are what that do hurt racing is when they, somebody just tries to keep you from winning, and they, that does happen. So, no, for yeah, example, yeah. in the Belmont with an eight-horse field, what I'm hearing you say, there's probably no horse is going to try to make one horse lose or clip somebody or no, do. No, that, I, looking at the form, it doesn't look like it. No, yeah. but it, it has happened though. In, it, in has happened. it happens a lot, to be honest with you. But it doesn't happen as much in Grade Ones. I was, I was four and zero. Hopefully, it can repeat it. But I was four and zero last year in Del Mar when that happened. Like mm-hmm. Doug O'Neill had three horses in the race. I, you know, it's horse race four, and there are three uh, horses by Doug O'Neill. I bet the Doug O'Neill favorite or the Baffert favorite or the big guy favorite, and I was 4 0. I cashed those. Might have been pure luck, conspiracy theory, but that's what I was thinking. I cashed the money. Picking colors, picking numbers. You have as good a chance as most people that. I mean, I, they used to have a thing at Brandywine Racetrack, which was a h- harness racing track called the Big E. And it was the eighth and ninth race. And what you would do is you would bet the exacta in the eighth race, okay? And if you hit that exacta, you would change it in for another exacta ticket in the ninth race. Right. And it would pay thousands of dollars usually. Mm-hmm. The guy next to me hit it one time. He bet his house number <laughs> for $6,000. So, I mean... That's a gambler. No, that's that's just a guy who wants to get out of the house for the night. <laughs> yeah. And that, and you have it just as and there's there's probably a five or ten percent of people at the top who know what they're doing, 
and even they don't win all the time. Right. Even so I've won three hundred bucks so far. So hey. I'm going to bet a hundred dollars. You know, in any combination, right? And three horses that I'm looking, and I'm going to keep the two hundred, and put in my NBA playoffs, right? Keep the profit. Don't be a degenerate and yeah. try to bet all three hundred bucks on the Belmont, and you'll probably lose it just because of anxiety or whatever. Not going to be thinking right. So, so do, we have, do we have some kind of a, an order that? Because I'm looking at you guys are talking about Hot Rod Charlie, but he's going to go off at what? You said seven to two odds right now. Right. Thank you. I think if I'm looking at this, I if I'm guess my guesstimation. Okay, I haven't even done this, so let me put the pen on the paper. Essential okay. quality is going to go off at eight to five. Essential quality. Yeah, I think Ron Barrow will probably go off at essential quality. Yeah. Yeah, essential quality. Ron Barrow will probably go off at four to one. It's at fifteen to one right now. So no, if you can no. get in your Ron Barrow, if you can get to your sports book at fifteen to one, go ahead. You can get put twenty bucks on, on 15, Burbani. 15, 15 to one for Burbani seems reasonable. Right. Um, Hot Rod Charlie will probably go off as a second. Let me see. Hold on. We'll probably go off as a third favorite at nine to two. France, right. Francisco Diina, a million to one. <laughs> yeah, that one has no chance. The, the Japanese yeah, I mean, horse. The other, let's put it this way: if the other seven horses only fell down once, he still might not win. Hmm. Um, Known agenda is going to get some. Be- I think he's going to go off at like eight to one. Right. And, and he's not terrible. I think Rock 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 Your World is going to go off as the second favorite at five to two. Hmm. And an overlook is going to be. Going for the exacta, if you bet the five, eight exacta, France, the Ina, and overtook that, and you box it, you may get the entire exacta pool. Right. He could be 99 to one. But I mean, I think I'm, I'm going to guess that because um, I, I, a lot of guys like, a lot of people like to bet excuses. Mm. And maybe I'll give you a break on one excuse. If you have two or three excuses, there used to be a horse. I, I just throw you out because you're going to find a way to lose. There, there are horses that you look in the in the form and you'll see like they race 15 times. They have two wins, nine seconds, and two thirds. <laughs> and he had nine times he sucked people into bed on that he he's going to win this time. No, he's not coming second this time. Mm. There was a horse about 10, 15 years ago. He was a Grade One horse called In Excess. It was a turf horse. Right. And I used to call him inaccept. In other words, he would race the, he would always take the, his way out of the um, out of the grade ones if the good grade one horses ran. And then when uh, an off track weight, a, a grade one, was, he was the only grade one, he'd win that race. But he wouldn't win if there were other horses that weren't grade one horses. And he would always be the favorite. It was amazing. So if I understand correctly, you're saying that Overtook is never going to, he's not going to show up. I mean, he's he's in the race as an eighth horse, but really it's a seven horse race, technically. Well, actually it's a six horse race. I think he's better than the five. Right. Okay. Secretariat's better than the five and he's been dead for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the, now the thing is also, do I think that, that Overtook can win or maybe even come in second? I don't think so. Uh, Overtook could come in second or third if there's something weird in the race. 
If a right. person gets tied up, if a if if he if there's if he gets a rail if he gets a carbon bow rail run where he's been on the rail the whole race and everybody else goes five wide, right. things can happen. But if they race this, if they run ran this race twenty times, I wouldn't say that he would get second or third more than once. Mm. Okay. Who knows? Somebody could step on a marble out there and take out three horses. Well, it's very interesting though, because in the financial world, really from the beginning of last year, when uh, Portnoy from Barstool Sports was owned by Penn National, when he started shell companies and he had his people raise the price of the stock and had them all buy it, it was a classic legal pump and dump. Now, I was jealous of Portnoy because if I did that, immediately fire troopers would come in here knock down the door. Even Anna, psychotherapist wife, had nothing to do with it. They would put her in cuffs, put me in cuffs, take all my files, and they would put me in jail. And I say this because the first two horse uh, races, uh, even Medina Spirit, both those horses increased in value a lot, right? Because that's what Portnoy's trying to do. That's what Wall Street Bets is doing. Classic pump Hundred percent yeah. legal, maybe a hundred percent unethical, maybe even a hundred percent immoral. The way you would think about, it. but it's legal, right? Nobody can argue with that. So Verbonic, right from Kentucky, with the new testing lab. Uh, the owner is Calmet Farms, breeder Calmet Farms. Todd Fletcher. That one, that horse has the biggest upside as far as improving. It's value with a win. Central Quality has 2.4 million. Hot or Charlie, 1.3 million. This one has won 465,000. Actually, yeah. you've got that a little bit wrong. And I'll tell Which you what. Which part? All of it. Because, well, yeah, here's the reason. What, you, okay, all right. Let's start with Rumbar. Did Rumbar, yes or no, increase his value by winning the precinct stakes? Yeah, but he won't increase his value as much as the Central Quality will. No, no, no. That's not my question. Yes or no? Did Rumbrower? You said Verbonic could increase his value more than the Central Party others. I'm trying to explain. No, no, no. no. What I'm saying is, does Verbonic increase his value anybody by winning the the? the but uh, let me explain why. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Will be be Central Party or even uh, Rock Your World will increase their value by more than other words Is that they've already won? Right. And, um, essential quality won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile last right. year. Right. And by winning the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and then by being the Bel winning the Belmont Stakes, right. that increased his value much more than if Burbonic, who won the um, Wood, just won this race. Well, so Hot Rod Charlie, you're saying? Huh? Yeah, so are you saying Hot Rod Charlie or no, you're saying Essential Quality? Um, yeah, so, so in actual dollars or percentage-wise? In actual dollars. Percentage-wise is what makes you money. Percentage-wise, <laughs> we, we won't know. We won't know percentage-wise for a couple of years. Right, right, and, and that's my my as a as a guy with an MBA, right? The guy with a master's degree, the guy with securities license, says that my analysis will tell you that Bourbonic percentage-wise will increase its value, and it makes it just sense, right? Because the other horse already won. The juvenile breeders' cup, as you're saying, right? It's already had 
four million dollars in earnings. This one has 465, which is 25% of that. By winning the Belmont Stakes as a professional, I would say percentage-wise, Burbonic is going to increase his value. Percentage-wise, not in actual dollars. Actual dollars is a scam, right? And the percentage um, essential quality yeah, may go up more. And, here, and here's a couple other reasons. Number one, he's proven that he's a consistent, great grade one winner, a consistent top horse. Right, right, essential quality. And he's also the son of Tappet, who was, until last year, the most valuable stud in, in North America. Got it. And his, um, and his, and his um, grandfather is Elusive Quality, who is also a very highly priced stud. Now, Bernardini, the father of, of Burbank, is a wonderful horse. And his right. grandfather, and, and by a, a uh, by AP Indian, by Athlete Alex, he's going to have to win a couple of more races before they believe him. Like, after this race, if Essential Quality wins, I would not be shocked to see Essential Quality be uh, uh, put out to stud for 20, 25 million. If Burbonic goes and wins this race, he's still not going to be worth more than five or six million because he hasn't done much yet. He could become more valuable by percentage. By percentage. Mm -hmm. But he, right. he's gonna, he has to do more to get that to happen. Whereas Essential Quality and Rock Your World and to some extent, um, not so much Hot Rock Trotty because he has a, his, his breeding isn't anywhere near as good as the other two. Right. No, no, I love it, man. I love it because we don't just yes each other, recognize each other. We tell each other what we really feel. <laughs> yeah, it was the greatness of the podcast, which many outlets do not have. So what do you guys think? Unboxing, Burbonic, Essential Quality, and Hot Rod Charlie. Now, the, before you do that, <laughs> go to whatever site you make your bet on. And in all the races, when they, you'll have a thing down below, which will say, have like win, play, show, and they'll also have prediction of what, at that moment, what the exact is paying. Right. And the reason why that may not be a great bet, not that you won't win. Right. Like, okay, let's say that you're just, let's say that you're betting Essential Quality, High Rock Charlie, and Rock Your World. And let's say, this, we'll do it a simple one, for 20 bucks. Right. That's $120 you're making on that bet. Now, if that exact that comes in, that none of those exactas I doubt will pay more than $30, okay, for a $2 bet, which means you're gambling $120 to make a maximum of $300. You're getting five to two on your money. Mm -hmm. Is it, it, you know, if you're just simply trying to make more than your 15% that you're trying to make, you're okay. Right. But you're not getting as much bang for your buck as if you bet... Of course, of course, these three horses are all going to be about that kind of odds. You just have you have to hit one. I mean, I have like two semi favorites and a fifteen to one. 15 you know, one. so the fifteen to one is where the money's going to come in if it finishes in the first three spots. Right. If, right. if, if yeah, first, first two, exact is two. So you first guys two. have discounted Rumbauer completely. I did, you haven't mentioned him at all. I just don't. I think he got. I haven't. I'm, I'm picking. That horse. What do you that's, think, Rick? That's why they. That's why they. 
you know, this is that's you know that's that's why the great thing about horse racing is you're not. This is why one of the reasons why I prefer horse racing far more than casino betting or even sports yeah. betting. Yeah. Because yeah. especially in casino betting, they tell you you're going to lose three <laughs> percent. Right. Right. You still say, "Oh, please take my money." <laughs> and, and like, if you bet the same amount, let's say that you bet ten dollars to win on every horse. Yeah. At the Belmont, there's I think fourteen races, one hundred forty dollars. If you get three horses that average nine to two, you're even. Yeah. And if you, but if you play blackjack and you win three out of fourteen, you're hitting the ATM. Yeah, you lost your shorts. <laughs> and, and and if you're betting games, unless yeah. you're betting a parlay, it's yeah. the same thing. And it can be even worse in betting games if you bet the Met money line. Let's say, let's say like tonight. Actually, the, I just looked. Uh, Denver did beat Portland. Huh? He did, but they went over. So, I, so I, oh yeah, he got one forty-one. And but the, like right now, the Phoenix is up sixty-two to forty-one over the Lakers. Right. Now the thing is, if you took the money line on, I don't know what the. Do you know what the money line was tonight? Uh, the money line was plus 150 Phoenix. Okay, so plus 150. So you would bet 100 to win 150. No. no you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You bet 100 to make 150, yeah. Right. Now, you'd have, you know, but if you lost the next game, if you lost the next uh, game. Well, no, for, for sports betting, right? Uh, last year, NBA playoffs, I was 75%. Right. Break even is 52.5%. So when you make your money, like Aldo Lahi, right? Spread. It's the margin between 52.5 and 75%. In actual dollars, it came out uh, bidding $1,000 a game, came out to about $48,000 in profit. Now, those $48,000 are gambling earnings. Then now the state of California is at 12%. So you got to get with your state legislature to do two things. Keep it at 12% when sports betting becomes legal in California and have your losses be deducted from your income. Right? Because Pennsylvania just got $233 million in taxes from sports betting during a pandemic when people couldn't go to the sports book or the casino. What are they going to make now, right? New Jersey billion and a half dollar uh, windfall. Right. NFL betting, right? It was 65%. Yeah. Net was 58,000 minus 10,000 for uh, Uncle Charlie. Now, how much do I have in Bitcoin? That's between me, my wife, and God. (laughs) And how has the earnings that I got to sports betting and then put at Bitcoin when I was at 18, it's now at 36, from sports betting money, that margin, where is it? Don't say anymore. That's Jeff. why I have it here. Well, I'm actually going to have a Twitter video on it. It's <laughs> yeah. called uh, what? Wealth stressors <laughs> for millennials. Yeah. I have it. People have an inheritance. They come to me. I don't know what to do with the money. Well, we, we bring out the book that says, hey, you already made it, right? So now it's tax mitigation. But I will say this. Sports betting and horse racing, right? Had a higher percentage. And it happened. I have this one client worth uh, $50 million. He's like, Josh, give me the sports bets. I give him the sports bets. 
He calls me like, hey, I made $200,000. Oh, great. And then I call him the next day. He's like, oh, out of the $200,000, how much do you still have left? Because I know you went out partying and this and that. Oh, I have maybe $75,000 left. I lost it all on the crap table. I'm like, that those table games have like 20%. Problems that people have. Yeah. There ain't no such thing ever in any gambling that's house money. Right. House money. Right. I love that line, right? And the other thing is, um, the uh, you it's a lot e in horse racing. It's really, really, really easy to write off most of your most of you have to leave a little taste, but you can write off the. I mean, and it's easy. All you have to do is write, put together a spreadsheet, and write right. down bets that you theoretically made. Right now, the Democrats are trying to put an end to that. No, they want no, to hire five thousand new IRS agents, spooking around. Uh, we'll be ahead of the game on that, but for now, for right. now, the way things are now, with two thousand IRS agents out there, they're only going after the big fish and mm -hmm. red flag. So don't be a red flag. And if you fish. are going to be a big fish, uh, you hire somebody who's an expert in tax mitigation. Really, bottom line, okay. and twenty uh, percent of CPAs out there are good. About five percent of financial advisors are good. So you're going to have to hunt, find the right people that know what they're doing, right? So you don't have any problems. But like we said on the podcast, this is a mental health first aid kit, financial first aid kit. Financial first aid kit. Second rule of betting. First rule of betting, especially sports betting, never bet your own team. Number two is always do your research. Well, the thing, I, California, all the crazy Democrats in California, did do something for sports betting, which was also picked up by all the crazy Democrats in New York. And then after that, Kentucky, is that it used to be if you hit for over 300, 300 to one in a, in a bet, you had to go right to the IRS window, give them your give them your, your social security card, and they would take 30% off the top. But, and the reason that was grossly unfair was to hit three to hundred to one, you're usually betting a pick four, pick five, pick six, or right, right, right. okay. And let's say you're betting a pick six. You maybe the bet it, these days the bet's fifty cents, okay, or twenty cents, but you may get back ten thousand dollars, which is a five thousand to one bet. But you didn't bet one bet. You bet a hundred dollars to. Because you picked all the different po possible combinations in California, New York, and Kentucky. Now it's the total bet that you get the that you in other words, that you would have to pay tax on. In other words, if you bet a if you bet a thousand dollars on the pick six and it paid five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, you don't owe any taxes. They don't take any taxes out of your money. And then after you get home, you can write up your own little Excel spreadsheet and show that you lost ninety six hundred and forty dollars. And they can't prove that you don't. You didn't. No, 100%, 100%. I'll tell you one thing. Our viewers and listeners would be thrilled to win, okay? They'd be thrilled to win. So well, listen, circling yeah. back for just a minute. So here's a thought. I'm going to run this by you guys. I'm, I may be out in the bleachers somewhere. Okay. I just keep hearing Rumbauer kind of written off. Rumbauer, you know, so what's his name? Flavian Pratt's not going to ride him. I just have the feeling, and I don't know what it is, Josh. I have the feeling he's going to surprise people. I don't know right. why. I just the, think he's got the king of Belmont. Yeah, yeah. Johnny V is the king of Belmont. Johnny V. I mean, I just see. I don't know what. What are his? That's what's writing him, right? He writes well in Belmont. 
Yeah, John, that's, that's Johnny B's home track for the last 30 years. Yeah. So exactly. somewhere, somewhere in our thinking, I, I like the idea of putting Rumbars up in the top, I don't, I'm going to say top five. Now, I don't know if he gets yeah, the top three. There's two different, there's three different ways you can bet, really. You can bet straight to win, or, you know, win play show type of betting. Win play show, yeah. In which case, you really want, especially when the odds are like this, where nobody's going to be over like six to one, that you're thinking about betting, bet one horse. Because otherwise, you cut your odds in half. Yeah, or thirds or three quarters. Yeah, that's true. And that one you can hit and lose. The other thing is in ex what they call exotics. Exotics are exactus, trifectas, superfectus. Yeah. And then you can then you then you can throw your horse in because you know he doesn't necessarily have to win. Now hmm. what you're talking about, like what Mike was talking about about putting four or five horses in, is when you bet what they call verticals. A vertical mm -hmm. is like a pick three, pick four, pick five. That's it. And pick you five. want to take more than one horse in a race. Unless, like in a race like this, you want to take more than one horse because there's no horses that stand out. Now, mm -hmm. if, if there's a standout, um, you, you want it, then you take what they call a free spot. And that saves you a ton of money. And um, so you should take a look the verticals. A lot, and also I think that we told them on the previous show. If you got, if you, if it's you and a couple of friends, and you're watching the, and you're watching the races on Saturday, a really fun bet is the pick four. The pick four. Because what you do is each one of your, like with Josh, Mike, and I were sitting around watching the Belmont, but watching the TV with all the shows on, and we go, okay, let's bet the pick four. Then if Josh picks a horse, you pick up Mike picks a horse, and then I pick a horse in each race. In each race. It costs it costs you a multiple of thirteen dollars and fifty cents to have three horses in each race for the pick four. Uh -huh. And if, if one of you if if one of your long shots come in, it can easily pay a few hundred. Mm. Whoa. The total bet's forty dollars. Forty bucks. But the, but the most fun is when your friend picks the three to five shot and he comes in last and your seven to one shot wins and you get to give him a world of hassle for the rest of the next two weeks. That's ha that's half the fun. I mean, when we used, my first year out of college, we, we played for as a pro at the harness races. And the biggest race of the night, there was about six of us. And the biggest race of the night was the race, we, we, had, a, we had eight cards that we showed up, nine cards we showed up with, uh, eight through nine. And, before we started the night, we somebody would pick out one of the cards, and that would be the race. Mm. And then we'd pick out each in that race, we would pick who picked in what order, and we'd bet a quarter, not 25 bucks, 25 cents. <laughs> quarter. And who would finish last? Who would finish last? It's much harder to pick who's gonna come in last than right. who's gonna come in first. And we would yell much louder. <laughs> to win that dollar twenty-five, and we would on the twenty-dollar exactness we yeah. had to pay two thousand because we're beating our friends, and beating our friends is a lot more fun than beating the track. The track, right? Hundred percent. <laughs> and the other thing is, like, although you know, people say, "What about the takeout?" Forget about the takeout because the takeout is what they use to pay the purses. And it's not; it does not give a track an advantage. And I was like. In blackjack, there are odds on what the what the cards are coming out. In craps, the odds are what your throws are going to be. Yeah. 
and there's a defined uh, percentage that's the Haas favorite. The Haas doesn't care in horse racing. They don't care if you win or lose. Yeah. yeah. They, if, in fact, they want you to win a lot of money because you're going to come back. Right. And they don't win any more or any less if you win or if Josh wins or I win. If a 99, if a 99 to one shot wins or a two to one shot wins, the track makes no difference. It doesn't make any difference to the, not, to the track. Well, Astronis track, they own the track. They own the horses. Now they own the pharmacy that, that gives the horses medicine. And they own X-Bet. And they get a piece of the bet you make. So they can care less. They already made money coming and going and then it's commercial property right like the nfl so they're making money as the property appreciates all right final thoughts that binging is anna saying hey <laughs> now here's a, here's a thought for you guys about the real estate okay from the ada perspective the disabled perspective okay let's say for example i have friends that are wheelchair bound or disabled hearing impaired sight impaired but they like to gamble on horse racing. Okay. Is the track accessible for them? Absolutely. Is there a way they can go from the parking lot to wherever, place a bet, go to the bathroom, get a drink, get a yes. hot dog and watch. And if it is, that's a win. If it's not. And not only that, but they get preferred parking. They have, they get the park like almost at the gate. Yeah. The door. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to remember that the Stronish family is tied into the state legislature. So they wrote the legislation as far as ADA and horse track yeah. are concerned. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no way of getting around them. And hey, they're sharp. That's why they have all the money. All right, so final thoughts. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put 20 bucks on Bourbonic, and then uh, I'm going to box Bourbonic. Rumpture, based on Mike Crescenici's hunch, and then Hot Rod Charlie... Because Rick says that Hot Rod Charlie's going to win. Yeah, I like Hot Rod Charlie. I mean, because of the short field and the short prices, I'll probably yeah. bet more pick fours and, and other race exactors. Now, okay, if you're listening, here's one horse. There's a, in the and I'll post minutes. this on the episode notes and then on Twitter. I'll post all our picks and Rick's picks, which um, he's been doing well the last two weeks. Uh, I don't know how much time I'm going tomorrow because I just got this like a few minutes ago. Uh, sure. But in the sixth race, the Jaipur is a grade one on turf. Right. What's that name? It's the sixth race. The race is called Jaipur. It's named after a famous horse. Okay. Ah, okay. It's a grade one race. It's a, how much is it? It's a $400,000 purse. Okay. Now, the, the big favorite is going to be Bound for Nowhere, which is very good. Now, the thing is, there's another horse that's going to be, the, the uh, odds are 15 to 1 by the name of Oleg Sandra, an Australian horse. Got it. Now, the thing about Australia is Australia really loves sprint races. Europe really loves long races. And, he, she, and she was one of the top um, sprinters in Australia for a couple of years. And here's another interesting thing, is that She's raced three times. Uh, he's raced three times at Belmont and three times on the Belmont turf. Wow. That's what he's done all three times. One. One. Yeah. And he has raced against, um, I think he raced against um, the Battle for Nowhere, some other place. And, and um, I think he lost by a few lengths, but he. I, I, I think he's alive, he's alive exactly. There's a term 
that they have in, ho in horse racing. It's called horses for courses, which means certain, and it's no, it, it's it, nobody can figure it out. It just is. Mm. So you want to, if you like, if you're looking at your racing form, here's a tip for the, everybody for the racing form. Look under where it says the and what, what the, where they really, how well they did in 2020 and 2021 and their lifetime winnings. Underneath that, you'll see, like I'll say, Belmont. Like I'm looking at Brabant and Belmont. He has raced once at Brabant. He's raced one time at Belmont and lost. But that's no big deal. That doesn't prove anything. But when you're getting the three, four, five, six, seven, eight races and they've done really well, you have to think about that. Right. And I was sort of about Josh, you're a numbers guy. It's one of my very favorite anti-numbers thing is in basketball, the numbers guys, all the brilliant numbers guys say that the hot hand doesn't exist. The guy hits four shots in a row, he's probably going to miss his next three. No, he's not. He's probably going to hit the next three. Because when you the basket gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right. and for the horse rate, the horses go. I like this. I mean, they're sentient animals. Right. They they. We're, well, my last thing is we're very lucky that horses' vision is so bad. Horses' vision is basically uh, one to nine or one to ten. They think we're bigger than they are. Mm. They're because of their because of their sight. They think that humans are bigger than that. Otherwise, they'd never let us anywhere near them. Because mm. could you imagine trying to come up to a horse that realizes that he can beat you anytime he wants? <laughs> and yeah. you'd say, oh, I want to get off on you and I want to whip you. Yeah, they're going to let you know. If, they're going to let you do that if, if their sight wasn't so bad. Mm. But mm. the most important thing is have fun and make fun of your friends for when they lose. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, uh analytics, you know, I can't be a numbers guy. Analytics does not work in NBA basketball or football. <laughs> I agree with you. But it does work in baseball. Uh, closing thoughts, Mike Persinisi. Yeah, baseball is where it works. Mike Persinisi. Well, Rick, thank you for all the backstory. Yes, thank you, Rick. It's really interesting to hear this thing about horses for courses, it makes sense. It's an intuitive thing. It's like, okay, why does one horse like this course versus the other? I don't know. We don't know, but apparently it's a real thing. And I like when you circle back talking about, like, for example, how many Todd Fletcher horses are in this race. And there's only eight horses in the Belmont Stakes. And of them, really one, you're saying, like, overtook, may or may not even show up. So right. you got seven horse race. I mean, that's good insight. So I hope our viewers and listeners are listening carefully and taking notes because that is, I mean, that they're sharing, they're telling their friends and neighbors that it's growing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Each podcast that Rick's been involved with or yeah. gave me a guest from Graham Honecker, that podcast grew and then all the podcasts he has grew. So we're going to have Great. Rick back for Delmar Racing. We'll have one. We'll have a debate. I'll be the moderator between Mike Bristanisi. <laughs> we'll have a debate. We'll have a, politics. We'll have it come up organically. We'll have yeah, a politics yeah. uh, really uh, after maybe yeah. Summer's good, and then after football. Yeah, yeah. We always we're talking about here about Josh talked about doing your homework, and. We'll go back to a homework thing. As a friend of mine from high school was the number one high school football player in the country as a junior and as a senior. Woody Haynes came to our high school. Hmm. And then he got cut. He, he got cut in the NFL, never made it. 
and start selling insurance. Then he decided to run for Congress. And our, and our county had elected exactly one Democrat since Reconstruction. And that's the person he was running against. And he was running in a county that was nine to two Republican in, the, in 1980 when, Re, when Reagan won the county by like 30%. Yeah. Now he, he was, his whole, his entire case for why you should vote for him was his opponent wasn't a good Christian because he didn't oppose abortion. He didn't oppose um, contraception. He didn't oppose teaching sex education. So he was a bad Christian. And I ran into mm -hmm. him in, a, in the old Philadelphia train station, which you've seen in a bunch of everything from um, trading places to all sorts of movies. Uh, mm -hmm. he goes, Steve, I think you have a problem with your campaign. And he goes, what's that? I go, well, you keep on telling us the congressman is a bad Christian and you should only vote for you because he's not a very good Christian. And then I go, well, Steve, he goes, yeah, he isn't. I go, well, Steve, do you know what? 8,500 families, not people, 8,500 families in our county called him before they called him congressman. And he goes, what's that? He goes, Reverend? <laughs> he was the pastor for the largest Methodist church in the state of Pennsylvania, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. <laughs> and he was, the head of the, he was the head of the Methodist Synod. But he wasn't a good Christian because he thought women should be allowed to take contraceptives. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. You got, you got to do your research. You got to do your research. Got to do your research. And when you do your research, I'll add this too as well. So before I give you what's in Churchville, don't judge anything. Don't rush to judgment. Yeah. Just look at the facts, right? Process them. Ask people, right? Get some corroboration. And don't make final judgment unless you have to, unless you are a judge. <laughs> Keep it good. I've thought certain things and come to the conclusion and 10 years later, like, oh, I got some more information. It was totally the opposite of what I was thinking at the time. Yeah. So 12X, 10X is probably copyrighted, but 12X, you always get 12 times more than what you give. And I always close with Winston Churchill, who said, you give, you get a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. That's why all of our picks are free and for you to monetize in the richest, greatest country in the world. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Podcast Network. Are we clear? Not yet. Oh, whoops. One sec. I'm the best there is.